Um, but there's going to be some talent. There's going to be some position, or I'm sorry, some uh, balls. There's going to be some opportunities here at this position. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. <laughs> balls. Welcome, everybody, to the RNR Catcast, a fan based podcast focusing on Montana State athletics. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy. All right, welcome back, Bobcat fans. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the RNR Catcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Foley. The good-looking one, across the state from me, is my good buddy, Ryan Thornburg. The, the really good-looking one. <laughs> we are the Ryan State affiliate of the Big Sky Podcast Network. We are a podcast by the fans, for the fans, and we hope we are your first listen for Bobcat Banter. How many more kitschy sayings can I put in there uh, before we get going? You, you hit them all, I think. That was... You even came yeah, up with think, one that we hadn't discussed yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> right on, Thorny. I, I did some math, and that's what I do. I'm a I'm a math teacher. Four years. We're coming up on podcasting. Four years. That's amazing. Like this is it's gone by. Uh, we had a whole season that didn't happen, so that was terrible. So in reality, we've only done what two and a half seasons. You think you'd be better. <laughs> you would think we'd be better and would have gotten any better. The only thing that's happened is I think our audio quality has gotten better. Everything else is roughly the same. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. All right. All right. Well, we're excited to finally get into the 22 23 season. No more talking about the preseason. No more conjectures on this and that. We're here to talk actual football. We have game week going on this week. We're going to start it off. Talk about McNeese State. We had a special interview with Matthew Travis, sports director from KPLC7 out of Lake Charles. He joined us just, well, just before we got on here and started talking. And uh, he had a lot to talk about and a lot to say about the McNeese State Cowboys that are coming to Bozeman this week for a gold, gold rush game. So we'll play that audio for you later on or in the middle of the episode. Uh, we're going to start off with the news. And then we're going to probably then play the the interview. I would assume that'd be right. And then after that, we'll talk about the depth chart, and or maybe the depth chart will come before that. We'll see what happens there. But uh, then Ryan and I were going to give our thoughts on McNeese State. But yeah, football's here. Gold Rush is on Saturday. We're ready to kick this thing off. And I'm super excited. Um, I appreciate the fact that there's so many preseason polls and rankings and all conference teams. <laughs> it gives us something to talk about. In the grand scheme of things, none of it means anything at all. It's all decided on the field. And here no. we are actually talking some matchups, some football, um, getting back into the swing of things with a guest on the show to talk about our opponent. I am just stoked for fo football to be back. And yeah, like you said, stop talking about meaningless stuff. It's football time. A year ago, we were hyper-focused on the coaching transition from Choate to Vegan. That's been put to bed. We are super happy with Coach Vegan. We were super happy with Coach Cho. It went it went well, and then that looking back on the year that that was that was a big storyline. But now we can actually like move past that and just focus on the twenty two twenty three Bobcats, which, like I said a, a, an episode ago, feel like they have to forge their own identity. And you know, I, don't know, I think there's a lot of good things in store for the Bobcats. I mean, we're a highly ranked team right now. Uh, I think we're going to be very successful season. I mean, kind of going off the rails a little bit here, but I mean, I'm just excited for the season because it just feels so new. The The staple of those, those uh, key players are now gone. And now we have a whole bunch of new guys that I'm looking forward to seeing on the field for the first yeah, time. It's kind of a new page in so, Bobcat football coming up here. Yeah. I'm excited for it. Exactly. For sure. Alrighty. Um, First, before we get into the news, let's talk about what's in our golden coolie. I have a couple on tap here. Well, geez, I'm rusty. Here. Yes. What's in your golden coolie? 
<laughs> it's still weird hearing myself playing a little thing I made. It still weirds me out. It still makes me laugh because it's awkward and I'm just not used to it. I got two beers on tap. I got, I'm just finishing up my Jeremiah Johnson, Jeremiah Johnson Citra IPA, which is one of my favorite uh, IPAs. I'm not an IPA guy, but I do like that one. Um, but I just cracked open a Deschutes Twilight limited release summer beer. And that's what I'm currently Ooh. working on here. Um, you know, I'm going to start working on it. I got two going, whatever. It's first game of the season here. Finishing one, starting the other. Um, it's really good. I, I'm enjoying it. Um, I, I kind of like the the twilight, like the 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 wording of it, and then the can or the bottle, excuse me, because we're you know transitioning from fall, the twilight of fall into football season, the twilight of not football season into football season. That probably doesn't come out across very well, but I'm trying to get a point across here. It's a good bear. <laughs> I'm just excited for a new chapter of Bobcat football. That's it. I'm done. That JJ beer got to you, brother. <laughs> Usually does. Right. Um, I have, I have uh, a pale ale from Perry Street, so it's not in the can. It's just you know growler fill. It's called the Crisper Pale Ale. It just came out. Uh, they put on tap probably last weekend, and it's delicious. It's loaded with hops, but it's only got that five point five or five point two ABU. So pretty easy drinking for me. Delicious, though. Sounds like something I would enjoy. Yeah, you'd probably like it. All right. Well, let's talk about the news. Um, some news came out today. Uh, Coach Vegan's presser was put out there. By the way, a little shout-out to Victor Flores and Alex Eshelman. Victor Flores at 406 Montana Sports, Alex Eshelman, ABC Fox, SWX. They've been putting out a lot of good content that uh, Ryan and I have been tuning into and most of the, uh, the stuff I get to talk about on this podcast comes from them. So thank you, Victor. And thank you, Alex. Uh, I watched the the presser from Vegan that Victor uploaded and it said uh, some some kind of disappointing news that came out that was Devin Davis or yeah, Devin Davis was a, a, a cornerback that was, uh, you know, projected to be one of our or one of our dudes, one of the, one of the guys in the mix, he had shoulder season ending shoulder surgery and coach vegan talked about it. It was kind of like something like a uh, tile Cotto or Callahan O'Reilly has suffered, but maybe, maybe longer. And maybe now was the time to do it because he's such a young guy that if we prolonged it anymore, could, you know, maybe jeopardize his career as a Bobcat. So sucks that we have him not in the picture anymore, but uh, you know, if you're looking long-term I think that's going to be a really good thing for him because he still has four years to play after this surgery and coming back from recovery. So we wish him a uh, full speed. Yeah. He'll be able recovery. to red shirt, uh, six, one to one ninety five though, man, good size. He'd really come on strong. I was yeah. really surprised to see him at the top of the, uh, it must've been the summer depth chart heading into fall camp. He was he was right there at the top yeah. and, you know, between Devin Davis injury, Eric Zambrano, uh, leaving the team and then Ryland Ortz, uh, an ineligibility for the first half of the season, like a group you and I were super high on and talking about maybe the deepest in the entire team isn't so deep anymore. I get the starters are still solid. I feel good about the starting, but the depth has taken a hit. So, um, so that's kind of big news. Mm -hmm. I was expecting big things out of Devin Davis at the very least to, to play a backup role. So big news today. Yeah. Is there any other news that uh, we're missing there, Ryan? I mean, do we want to top, talk about the death chart now or just go right into the interview with Matthew Travis about McNeese State and we can kind of come out of that and talk about the death chart and then roll into the chat about the Cowboys? Yeah, let's do that. So let's introduce uh, Matthew Travis right here. All right. Well, we're going to play the audio right here. Uh, enjoy. All right, Bobcat fans. Well, now we are joined by Matthew Travis, who is the sports director at KPLC 7 in Lake Charles. And he's going to come on the show to talk a little bit about McNeese State for us. Uh, Matthew, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, appreciate you uh, taking some time to come on. I know it's late your time. Uh, sounds like you may have just wrapped up some of your uh, sports anchor duties over there. Yeah, I did. We have a um, we have a six o'clock and a ten o'clock, but we also have 
morning shows all from 4.30 to 8 a.m. So instead of me having to go in at 3 a.m. or whatever time I would have to get there, I record my show at night as well, and I just finished doing that and setting it up for the morning. So I just finished up there. Excellent. Well, Matthew, you are our first guest for the 22-23 season. We were stoked to have you on, man. I mean, this is a big moment for all of us. We're tired of talking preseason, and now we're actually getting into the games. So we appreciate your time. Uh, you cover McNeese State. McNeese State is a proud program in the FCS, but last season they were 4-7. and seven. They've been going through kind of a, a slow stretch, it looks like, there when I was looking back through their records. Uh, you guys hired a new coach, most notably, and that's kind of our first question to you, Gary Goff. Tell us how he's settling into Lake Charles. I mean, this is my first year here. I got here uh, almost two months ago now, but I came, I came from Alabama. That's where I graduated from. But everyone I've talked to, all of the players I've talked to, all of the coaches not named Gary Goff that I've talked to, they all praise him and everything he's brought. He, he's brought a motto they live by that is TAD, which stands for Tough Attitude and Discipline. And you'll hear him probably yell it many times on Saturday, but he's yelled it many times during practice and he talks about it in the interviews and during the press conference and everything. And all of the players, they randomly during uh, interviews and practice or interviews and the press conferences, they'll say, I mean, that's what golf has instilled in us. It's tough attitude and discipline. So he's brought, obviously, like you mentioned, last year was a very disappointing season for McNeese finishing how they did and being embarrassing in the Southland. And they brought in golf from Valdosta State, and he's making them work hard. All the players we've spoken to have, have uh, said how much of a culture change it is and how they're really excited because – not only is the the mentality of we're not a bad team, we're going into the season 0-0 just like everyone else and we have the opportunity to make a noise. And they, they truly have gotten a lot better defensively. They've been pretty impressive. Offensively, they, during the last scrimmage, struggled a little bit, but during the red zone drill, they were very impressive. So um, I think this is a much better team than they were last season, obviously. We'll get into the quarterback battle in the announcement today, but um, I, I think Lake Charles as a whole is very excited about this McNeese program this year, and certainly with Gary Goff at the helm, he had something two weeks ago now, which was called Victory Day. It was a camp for um, special needs children, and they, every, there were 55 of them. Every single one of them got the chance to score a 25-yard touchdown at uh, at Cowboy Stadium, and they had the opportunity to meet all their favorite players, go through the game day drills, and it's just stuff like that where he's changing the culture and the players are buying into it, and everyone not only in that facility is excited, but everyone in Lake Charles seems to be as well. Yeah. I was able to catch a couple of his just YouTube videos just perusing their athletic site he seems like a charismatic guy kind of reminds me of an old coach we used to have over here named jeff choate and our coach our current coach vegan was talking about this in a presser today when you have the history like mcneese state having um having a guy that can light the fire like like gary uh like you're saying it won't take much and once once mcneese gets like a little bit of steam it sounds like they can pick up uh, a lot of momentum and like take off and return to the program that it's been. So uh, one last question on Gary is, uh, did he bring most of his staff from Valdosta State? Um, that's not something I'm 100% sure on. He was hired in December, I believe, and I was uh, worried about covering an SEC championship and a national championship with Alabama. <laughs> uh, so I'm, not, I'm not too sure about that because, like I said, I got here – um, to Lake Charles, my, my first day was July yeah. 11th. So um, I'm okay. not 100% sure on that. I would have to have to look that up for you. So we don't know about the staff necessarily, but I read a stat somewhere that said 58 of the 110 players on the roster are, are either freshmen or transfers. Is that uh, mm -hmm. Can you confirm that? 
Yeah, that that much I can confirm. That's something Goff has talked about a lot um, this offseason. And we we asked him about that the other day, and he said they've done a great job of bringing experience, the transfers especially, because we're in the era of the transfer portal. It's changing the way teams yeah. recruit. It's changing the way players are recruited. But um, he talked about the, they're bringing experiences from all over and the the players that were on this team last year didn't have didn't have a good experience they had they had a poor team that was expected to lose just about every game they played and for the most part they really did um so golf talked about how they're bringing experience and leadership from these other schools which is great because mcneese has become a melting pot of sorts because they have players from all over. I mean, the two quarterbacks that, um, I mean, even still will be battling during the Montana State game for the starting quarterback position are transfers. And the two kickers yeah. are transfers. And, um, like, just about – and Kobe, Kobe Duru, who you guys are familiar with, a transfer. So they're, they're bringing in these experiences from all over the country. And their Coach Goff talked about how it's – great for especially the younger players because they get to learn from these guys who weren't weren't at McNeese and struggling last season and instead are bringing these favorable experiences and being able to help them and kind of understand what you're supposed to be doing uh and and everything of that nature so coach Goff has talked about how great it's been and he's very thankful that they do have those players from other programs as well all right. Travis, a uh, little question about last season. I don't know how much you know about McNeese uh, prior to getting there, but they played Incarnate Word, Northwestern State, and Southeastern Louisiana all twice last year. That's kind of unusual. Do you know the story behind that? I don't know the story behind that, but I do know um, the Southland was struggling last year. Uh, Lamar just joined back. And so I b- believe this year it, there are 10 teams in the Southland, but only eight that play football because New Orleans doesn't play football. And there's one other school that doesn't play football. And I believe last season, including McNeese, there was only six teams or there were seven teams playing football. So because of that, you have to fill those conference, those conference games. So I believe the story behind that would be, they just didn't have enough teams in the conference to play a full conference schedule. So I believe that's why they would have played a team or two teams, like you mentioned, twice. It's been a little confusing uh, for us up here, keeping track of all the conference realignment happening down in the Southland and and all those you know FCS conferences we're not too familiar with up here because the mm-hmm. uh, Big Sky Conference has been pretty stable. Uh, Southern Utah is leaving to join the the WAC, but did the WAC, WAC. collapse? I'm I'm yeah. so confused. <laughs> I don't know yeah, what's going they, on anymore. It, and and uh, uh, Southland Media Day was a week after, or five days after I got here, and my third day here, Lamar announced, and on July 14th, I believe it was, Lamar announced that they were rejoining the Southland after leaving last year, two years ago. They were in the WAC for like, or the the swack for a year or two years and then effective immediately in mid-july they were rejoining the southland for every sport so the southland then had to change all of the schedules for every sport that was already announced of so volleyball soccer football because now they have lamar so it was it was very interesting and it was a couple days before southland media day so that was that was a very interesting turn of events because I mean, you, you've seen with the SEC and now the Big Ten with all the comp, all the teams moving, that's three, four years in advance. In this case, it was weeks in advance. So it, it was it's very odd. And it's this, the whole Southland realignment has been uh, interesting to follow along with, say the least. It has. And speaking of the media days, so McNeese State was picked, what, fourth in the polls uh, mm-hmm. right behind Nichols, who received two first place votes. So I think uh, McNeese would be the first team who didn't receive any first place votes. Yeah. Um, but I think I saw what six players were for uh, honorable mention, or is it eight? 
uh, preseason all conference. Excuse um, me. I believe um, it's either yeah, it's either six or eight. I'm not sure, but um, the McNeese has some good players, uh, and Cam Ransom has, if assuming he's the one that ends up playing most, um, he has a chance to really be impressive. He was very impressive in the scrimmages, especially with his legs. So I, I expect him to um, be be good for McNeese this season as long as they have players who can help him out. But in the in the second scrimmage two weeks ago, Ransom went uh, completed 17 of 33 passes for 167 yards and three touchdowns. And on the ground, he was uh, he went for 19 yards and a touchdown as well. So um, Ransom is, certainly could crack that crack that list and be be up there if he can find his guys. Mason Pierce is going to be the top receiver. He certainly I would expect to be right up there if, if he's not on the list, which I, I would expect him to be there. He's their wide receiver and returner. He's he's very impressive and he's going to have a good year. Mason Kinsey on the defense is going to be good. Um, Tyler Barnes is going to be good at the safety, at the strong safety, excuse me. So they have a couple guys that are certainly up there um, and can make some noise in the Southland. Yeah, it seems like they have plenty of talent returning from last year's squad. In addition to the you know, the, new, the new talent transferring in, like uh, like you're saying, uh, Knox Kadem and Cam Ransom. A uh, quick question, Aaron. You, you mm-hmm. may not know the answer to that. Uh, so Cam Ransom came from Georgia Southern, I'm reading. Do they, does Georgia Southern yes. still run the triple option? I haven't really followed them very much since they left the FCS, but that's what they ran when they were in the FCS. I'm not sure, but um, Ransom likes to use his legs a lot, so that wouldn't would, surprise it me. It could make sense um, then. Because... Yeah, it would certainly make sense. Ransom is a very good runner. Like I mentioned, he had 19 yards and a touchdown, but that that is the least of that. That is on the low end. Um, He likes to use his legs a lot. And if you give him open field, he's going to break free. But um, yeah, that that wouldn't surprise me if they did because of how much how mobile he is and how how much he's able to use his legs. What about Knox Kadem? How is he different than Knox Kadem? So uh, Cam likes to use his legs a lot more. And the se- in the second scrimmage, like I mentioned, um, Kadem ran once for six yards while, at, while Ransom ran three times for 19. But that was, that was more of a walkthrough, if anything. Um, it, it, wasn't, it didn't feel like a full scrimmage. The defense was very overpowering, which is why the stats are – what they are, I, Ransom would at least double, maybe triple that in a in a full sixty minute game if he was the starter for the full game. But Knox Kadem is more of a pocket passer. Um, he did have an interception. He had one more touchdown, but he had an interception while Ransom didn't have any. Um, Knox Kadem likes to he can use his legs, but he likes to sit back in the pocket more and watch a play develop and um, find his guys from there. But I think Ransom is the more mobile quarterback and honestly the more accurate quarterback, which is why uh, Goff announced today that he would be Ransom would be the starter for the first series, but Kadem is expected to see the field. Well, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think Gary Goff is bringing kind of an air raid offense down there. Is that correct? Yep, that is 100% correct. He's talked about that a lot, but McNeese also has an impressive running back in Deontay McMahon and. We asked him last mm-hmm. week how McMahon would kind of fit into that role and because we hadn't seen McMahon really at all in the first two scrimmages. And got to that, Goff just said, well, he you don't need to see him because he does what he's supposed to. He gets a drive, and then he sits right next to, right next to Goff. I mean, McMahon in the second scrimmage only had one rush. Um, but that's simply because Goff knows what he's getting out of him. But... Goff said the positive of the air raid for the run game is by r- using the air raid, it opens up teams are always expecting the pass. So it opens up the possibility to run it when they're not expecting it and give McMahon the opportunity to add up some yards and some touchdowns as well. But um, it, it is the air raid, but McNeese has impressive running backs led by Deontay McMahon, like I mentioned. So, um, I, I wouldn't discount the run game as well. Defensively, it seems like McNeese kind of 
builds around stopping the run. Is that something they're going to continue to yeah. do here this year? I think they led the Southland in rushing defense last year, if I remember my stats. Yeah, uh, I, b- I believe you're correct on that. But I mentioned Mason Kinsey a minute ago. He's um, starting at defensive end for them, uh, and he's been impressive, very, very impressive in the scrimmages. And I um, in the second scrimmage, Grayson Mays, who is um, the depth chart was released today, He's all the second defensive end behind Kinsey. In this in the second scrimmage, Kin uh, Mays alone had two sacks. Kinsey had one. Will Rogers had one, and Kalen Chapel had one as well. And they had um, three, four, five, six, seven, eight tackles for loss. So they they are very very impressive when it comes to stopping the run. On on uh, two two weeks ago in their second scrimmage. There were countless three and outs, and they the offense scored with a rushing touchdown on the first drive, and then they got one more touchdown during the full full field drills over the course of a, I believe it was fifty plays. So the defense was very very impressive, and every time the offense sco- didn't score, the exception of twice, there it was a three and out. So the defense has been very very impressive at stopping the run and making you make quick decisions because and ransom and Kadem were forced to dump it off for two, three yards to their running backs, which made it very, very difficult on the offense when you're only picking up two, three yards of a play, if that. So the defense has been very, very impressive, especially in that front seven. Well, I know the Bobcats are focused laser like on the Cowboys right now. You guys have a proud program. Uh, we've heard a lot about Gary Goff. I found it interesting in my research a little bit that, like he, like Thorny said, the the air raid. He has ties to Mike Leach. Like I think Mike Leach was mm-hmm. his OC at uh, Valdosta State. Actually, I think that's where Mike, uh, him, and th- that those paths crossed. Which were, I, I thought that was really interesting. Both Ryan and I, our, our wives, went to Washington State, so we. Had a lot of dose of <laughs> Mike Leach in the last couple of years. Yep. Actually, that made me a little think a little bit about like when you were talking about the different quarterbacks. I, to me, Knox Kadem sounds like a better fit for the air raid as as they just kind of just sit back and like watch the plays develop. But I guess we'll have to see as that uh, progresses throughout the year. Um, hey Travis, we're gonna try to keep keep you uh, keep honest with our our time and we don't want to keep you too long. Um, so I guess our last question for you is like, what are, what are fans expecting from the McNeese Cowboys this year? What are you guys, what's the hopes in Lake Charles? I, I, I think the hope is just to see progress. Obviously last season was not, was not exciting at all. I, I they finished what four and eight, I believe it was. So it, it wasn't, it wasn't exciting for them. It wasn't anything like that. And then um, you guys might not know this, but two years ago, Hurricane Laura destroyed Lake Charles. Uh, the TV station I work at, yeah. we're using a temp- we're using a temporary set right now because a TV tower fell through the studio, and um, they're still in the progress of rebuilding that studio. So we're in a temporary set right now while they rebuild that. And everywhere around here was destroyed i mean um mcneese is the biggest stadium in the southland and mm-hmm. the flood water was c- completely covering the stadium it tore out the the press box and it um destroyed the lights as well they haven't played all of their games last year were noon games because they did not have lights so the big thing that uh fans are excited about and the team every player that has been here the past year or two is excited about is they're playing night games again. Their first, their first home game is week three, uh, September 17th and it's a night game. So that's what they talked about it a lot at Southland media days. The Southland commissioner, uh, talked about it, about how exciting it is not only for McNeese, but to have their biggest stadium in the conference being able to play games during night. We talked to Kobe Duru a couple weeks ago, um, because their second scrimmage was under the lights. We asked him coming, coming from where he's come from San Diego state and Montana state. What's it like 
being able to play a night game here. And he said, all the guys here have talked about how, how unfortunate it was having to play games at noon. And he said when he was looking at uh, pictures and videos when golf was recruiting him to come here, he said it was weird seeing all the games played during the daylight. And I don't know if you guys have ever been to southwest Louisiana, but winter and fall do not exist. It stays at the minimum 65, 70 degrees in December. So a noon game in September is 95 degrees plus plus. There was a practice three weeks ago. They had to take two extra breaks because it was so hot in the field. It was 125 degrees on the field, the heat index, because the the sun just bursts off the the turf. So fans are really, really excited to be able to have a night game and not have to sit in 125-degree heat or whatever it might be. So that's the most exciting thing, and they just want to see progress. Gary Goff, obviously coming from Valdosta State, he just lost in the D2 National Championship game. So he has a proven record, and he has – it, he he's proven it's not just a random coach they picked from a school and this was a natural next step he's he's proven and um fans are really excited to see what he does and the tough attitude discipline that i mentioned i think that's going to be huge for mcneese this year and i think they're going to buy into it and have a much better season than they did last year well i'm certainly wishing success for mcneese i've always been kind of a fan of the program i've always kind of liked the, the cowboy logo the stadium down there i've mm-hmm. always thought that everything was kind of cool yeah, it, it's very cool. And having access, like I said, I came from Alabama and last year we didn't have any access to the team. And two years ago, um, well, before the COVID year, it was we got 10 minutes of practice. We could stay in one specific spot. It was like a five by 30 <laughs> foot area that mm-hmm. every media member crammed into. And we got to watch practice yeah. for 10 minutes and we got the same players over and over again here. I'm able to request what players um, we want to talk to and able to go wherever I want for practice. I can walk right onto the field and stay as long as I want. So it's awesome and it's, it's exciting for what's going to come because I, 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 being able to provide that coverage I think is awesome and gets fans more excited for the season as well. Yeah, I think that's something that's really cool about the FCS level. They seem to be much more supportive of – media or even non-traditional media like us we we were actually credentialed for the fcs national championship game last year which uh, montana state was a part of that was really cool for us to go down there to texas and uh, get media passes and that you know that was a pretty big highlight of our you know podcasting career i imagine yeah that's very cool well matthew i really appreciate you taking the time i think that's all the questions we have for you um i'll give you a chance here to tell our listeners or any mcneese listeners here uh, where can we where can they follow your work or, uh, or, you know, check your stuff out? Yeah. So you can find me on Twitter. Um, that's what I use for the most part. It's Matthew J Travis underscore. And then if you wanted to, um, follow along for, with KPLC, I provide a lot of coverage there with McNeese, all the local sports, LSU, the New Orleans teams, and also the Astros. You can find us at KPLC seven sports. So, um, yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me on. All right. Appreciate it, and have a good night, and uh, we'll, we'll probably chat again after uh, Saturday, I imagine. Yes, sir. Thank you for having All me. Right. Well, that was our interview with Matthew Travis down there in Lake Charles. Really appreciate him coming on, talking about McNeese State for us, You know, giving us some insider information that we wouldn't have found otherwise, just uh, what's going around around camp, the outlook, some players to watch, some really good stuff there. Yeah. It was. Uh, it's always fun to connect with these sports writers and uh, media members across the United States in different programs. Uh, we're pretty lucky to be in the position we are where we get to talk to them. But uh, 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 Matthew sounds like a good guy. When when he, uh, I kind of laughed. I kind of felt a little bit bad because he's like, "Yeah, I had to cover a national championship yeah, when uh, an SEC championship," and I just kind of giggled. I was like, "Well, that's like a big deal." <laughs> <laughs> and he goes from covering Alabama to yeah. uh, McNeese State. Uh, so I, I wasn't trying to be disrespectful to Matthew at that point, but I, I was like, whoa. I think that was you a little know? tongue-in-cheek. I mean, He's just like, you know, I was just a little busy. Yeah, kinda, okay. I think that's how I <laughs> okay. took it anyway. <laughs> all right. Doing, doing some big-time things is all. Mad. No big deal. <laughs> uh, yeah, before we get into the chatter about the McNeese Cowboys coming to Bozeman, 
Um, the depth chart came out for the game. So let's talk about the depth chart that, and then parlay that into the final chatter about the McNeese Cowboys. All right. Sounds good. So let's just go through the depth chart and kind of talk maybe things that kind of stood out to you or you weren't expecting. Cause there are a few surprises on here to me. All right. What's the first surprise you saw, Thorny? Cole Sane at right guard. That's the one that kind of just stood out to me because Cole Sane had been listed primarily as a backup on every depth chart I'd seen. And I believe he was mostly listed at center as the backup. I know he has played pretty much everywhere, um, but I hadn't really heard he was running with the first team at any point during fall camp. So him to come out there starting at right guard, uh, where I believe the battle had been Titan Fleischman and Marcus Ware at right guard is really what we'd been hearing. And then Marcus Ware kicks out to right tackle and is backed up by Jacob Kettles. And Titan Fleischman is all of a sudden listed as the backup at left tackle to Rush Reimer. So a little bit of reshuffling along the offensive line that maybe I wasn't expecting. But, you know, those guys haven't really played together. So I don't think it's a, a concern. I think, obviously, the coaching staff knows what's best for the team and for the offensive line continuity and all that. But that, just, that was the one that kind of stuck out to me immediately. Bunch of young guys, bunch of sophomores on that yes. front line. You're gonna have a lot of playing time together. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think the well, Ryan. Quick question to you: Do you think the the guard tackle is it easier for a guy to be able to be good at guard and tackle versus center and guard? That's a good question. I think probably a guard you know? and a yeah. center are more similar. Because a tackle is a guy who's just kind of out on the island trying to handle a pass rusher. A lot of those one-on-one situations where yeah. guards and and you know uh, centers are more like passing guys around because there's a guy right next to you. You can pass them down to the left or to the right as you need. Uh, I think tackle is a whole different kind of philosophy. This is coming from a guy who has not played any of these positions. So <laughs> I <I'm> <laughs> probably don't know what I'm talking about, but that's just my, kind of my fan perspective on that. Yeah. Well, I'll give you a surprise. Let's move down to the tailback. I, and you see on, on the two deep, we have uh, Keegan Williams uh, and then Lane Sumner. Kagan. We were Williams, saying that I'm wrong. Sorry. Yeah, there it is. Kagan. Yeah. We were saying it wrong yeah. on our sorry. last episode. Sorry, Kagan. <laughs> also, Simeon Woodard. Yeah, Not I heard Simeon that. Where, where did we hear that? Simeon. Yeah. Uh, Coulter. Coulter Nuanis. Simeon. All right. So we will we'll try. educate you on that. No, Elijah Elliott. I was surprised to see Elijah Elliott not be um, maybe number one, number two, but am I really? I don't know. So just not to see his name. I, I assume Lane Sumner, Elijah Elliott could be interchangeable right there. It's just good to see Lane Sumner there. I don't know. Maybe just because he's healthy, but I imagine we'll see uh, Elijah Elliott. Yes. Uh, Coach Vegan said today we'll see um, all that freshman from Texas. What's his Jared name? Again? White, right? Yeah, there it is, Jared White. So there'll be kind of a four-headed monster between Kagan, Lane, uh, Elijah, and Jared. So we'll see how they split those reps. They did not do a good job last year splitting reps between uh, running no. backs. <laughs> it was really kind of a, a sort of subject with me, with the team, on how they handled that. That'd be something I'm going to be watching for early on. Yeah, they preached all offseason about how they learned their lesson, but uh, you know, we'll see what actually happens mm-hmm. in game situations. You just have these tendencies you build as a – as a coach, as an as a play caller, you know, you try and break them, but eventually you kind of sometimes you fall back into the comfort zone of just like, all right, just give it to, you know, 22. And that's, that's, we can't have mm-hmm. that this year. And we can't have it right now because Afonso is not even playing. He's hurt. So because of these, and, and that's where I'm hoping the, the coaching staff has learned and, uh, you know, is really practicing, which they've been preaching all summer. And we, we will see that on Saturday if that's true or not. Something else that kind of surprised me, uh, we had been hearing about it, but here it is. Taco Dollar listed as basically the backup to, is it Cleavon Thomas? Man, there's so many names that I'm not too familiar with yet. This is the whole new chapter thing, right? Like just learning names. Is it Clevin or Cleavon Thomas? It says right there, Cleavon. It looks like Cleavon. Cle- Cleavan. <laughs> Gosh. Cleavan. <laughs> Sounds like such an idiot. I'm trying to read the uh, depth chart. The van is all capitalized, so it's Cleavan. Right? Cleveland. Anyway. Cleveland? <laughs> Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> Your first choice for Bobcat information on our cat cast. Banter. But yeah, Taco Dollar Bobcat listed banter. behind uh, Cleveland Thomas there. And him starting, I guess, maybe a little bit of a surprise. 
not not I guess if you've been following fall camp, but just the fact that you know he kind of came here with not a lot of fanfare for him to come and kind of win the, the starting job, I think is impressive enough. But Taco Dollar just being on the depth chart with a slash with Marquis Johnson, the Sacramento State transfer, you know, those, those, I guess that entire position group is a little surprising. But you know, I think there's some serious talent yeah. there, some young talent, and we'll, besides, you know, Cleveland Tavis obviously being a grad transfer. Um, but there's going to be some talent. There's going to be some position, or I'm sorry, some uh, balls. There's going to be some opportunities here at this position. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. <laughs> balls. All right. Um, looking at the fullback, there's no Johari Martin. There's some speculation out there. We're just going to leave it at that. Uh, I don't know. The coach vegan kind of skirted the question a little bit too and talked to, uh, in his uh, presser today. So I'm not really certain why we won't see Jahari Martin. We will see him later on. Uh, that was one thing coach vegan did mention. My probably my favorite player on the Bobcat right now is uh, Jahari Martin. So excited to see him back. RJ Fitzgerald will do just fine there at the tailback. Uh, let's bump over to the defensive side of the ball. I guess uh, I didn't really initially notice it when I was looking at the depth chart, but uh, listening to Vegan today, uh, O'Reilly's playing Will instead of, I guess they had him at Mike, Mike earlier in the in the fall camp, and they moved him back yeah. to Will for the start of the season. And then they got Danny Yu over at Mike. Um, so I guess that's a little bit of a surprise in terms of position changes, but I don't think it's a surprise at all in terms of the two guys named starters. No. I thought Nolan Askelson was going to be the guy that took that uh, starting mic. Sounds like Nolan could play either or. He's pretty good at both. Uh, Callahan obviously played Will last year with uh, Troy being the mic, so he's he's going to be fine there. Alex Johnson is a guy that uh, Coulter New Orleans is really high on. Seems like a guy who's like physically developed, like very like n- noticeably over the uh, over the off season. So. Oh, yeah. So Callahan moves over to the will. Danny Yu playing the mic. Uh, looking at Nicola Ty's going to hold down that. Lavelle Price. So corner now, James Campbell. He was enlisted as the top corner on the depth chart prior to this. But uh, with uh, Devin Davis out, James Campbell is going to have a starting spot with Tyrell Thomas backing him up. That was something that I mean, two old salty dogs all on the corner right there. James Campbell and Tyrell Thomas, six-year guys right there. I mean, those guys are old. Yeah, to me, the surprise w- was that Devin Davis was ahead of James Campbell on the depth chart. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just the fact that Devin point. Davis was ahead of James Campbell, I think really speaks to how well Devin Davis is playing. But I have, you know, I'm absolutely confident in James Campbell being there. I think he had a pretty good year last yeah. year, you know, despite some injuries. I think he's going to come bounce back quite well. So I think we're I think we're set there at the corner. Obviously, Tyrell Thomas, like I said, the old salty dog. Their side's manned by a sophomore and a freshman, but you know it's Woodard and Drew Polidor. So again, comfortable. Uh, the only other, I, it's not a surprise because basically it's an attrition at this point. The strong safety is is it Reedy or Reddy Short? It's not listed on here. Um, I heard Reedy today. I haven't heard anybody say their name. I think Coulter said I say, Reedy. I, I say Reddy. Coulter said Reedy today. Yeah. I've been saying Reddy in my head. He's kind of bad with names, though. <laughs> he's he's kind of bad with names. Fair enough, because so. we're so good. <laughs> we just yeah. spent like 30 <laughs> seconds trying to figure out how to say Cleveland Thomas's name. But anyway, yeah, Short basically Cleveland. wins the battle of attrition there at Strong Safety. Um, I think I think he'll be fine. But that, um, we're not here to talk about, I guess, that so much. Uh, just the fact that any surprises... It's not a surprise because who else is left there? Kendrick Bailey's been with the program for a while now, a senior junior college transfer guy, but you know, he hasn't really played very much because he's been injured and buried. So those are the two guys at strong safety. I called that. Jeff Manning, ready short. Yep. Rose. The Pac-12. Starting in the back background. End. Back end. There we go. All right. Let's move down to specialists because this is probably the, the biggest surprise. Yeah. Punt returns. Taco Dollar. Take in Willie P-Spot. I know a lot of Bobcat fans are pretty stoked about that. I'm just excited to see what he can do in the open field. I mean, we've heard that's where he's electric. So I want to see Taco catch it and take it to the house. That's that's a bold prediction. We have a, we need to bring back the bold predictions. Maybe we can make a bold prediction here by the end of this uh, 
episode, but uh, Taco Dollar taking his punt returns, and then Marquis Johnson, the transfer from Sac State, is going to be, be taking the kickoff returns. Coach Vegan's just saying, hey, we need a guy to make a play. We need some some flashback there. So Marquis and Taco, Taco going to be the guys that are taking the kickoff duties. I like that. Marquis and Taco. What a what a combination right. of names. Uh, yeah, kick returns, though. Get used to Marquis it. Marquis Johnson and then Lane Sumner is the other one listed because you get two kick returners. So Lane, Lane's going to be back there taking, yeah. taking kicks. So that'll be interesting, too. Um, I think Lane's pretty electric. I think he did some return duties last year when he was healthy. So it'll be exciting because he's supposed to either that or in 2019 with Chill. It may have been so, 2019, but he's you know one reported of one of the faster guys on the team. So and McCart Marquis Johnson's yeah. fast, uh, all we're here and there too. So I think we got a lot of speed in the in the specialist return department on you know punts or kicks. Excited for it, bro. Excited. Do you remember first year last uh last uh or first game last year, Willie P take takes it to the house and then gets called back on a f- fake block. In the back. Phantom cost this game against Wyoming did not happen. Phantom. Hey, I was watch- right. I was rewatching the uh, UT Martin highlights today because uh so to prepare for this episode I kind of re listened to our UT Martin episode because we had a play by play guy on there and I was like how do we do this again what did we do last time and it got me all amped up so I went <laughs> and watched the highlights of the UT Martin game and Willie Patterson had like a fifty yard punt return that set us up for great field position mm-hmm. that game. I was like, you know, Willie P did some good yeah, stuff back there. He got a lot of flack. He made some uh, questionable decisions, but he, he was electric when he caught it appropriately. But that was kind of the problem. So, uh, you know, Willie's going to be, I think, expected to be a big contributor in the, in the receiving department. So it makes sense not to have one of your top three receivers back there risking injury. Yeah, I'm excited for Willie P. He had a really good offseason, not offseason, excuse me, a postseason last year through the playoffs. He really came on. Yeah, I think him and so, Tommy are going to be good good buddies. Yeah, I'm so excited to watch Tommy a lot. I'm excited to watch football. All right, let's let's stop talking about the death chart. Unless unless you got anything else to say on this, let's move over <laughs> to kind of our thoughts, our game preview on McNeese State. Woo, let's do it. This is uh, so. This is uh, we're rusty. This is the first. This is our first time doing this uh, this year. <laughs> Usually, we talk about our opponents like where they finished last year. Um, I believe McNeese. Went what four and seven last year? Yeah, three and five in conference, one and four at home, three and three away. They were fourth in the Southland, so not quite the McNeese State that we're accustomed to hearing. If you watch Bobcat or uh, football or paid attention to the FCS in the early two thousands, all the way through maybe even the mid two thousands, McNeese State sure. was a team to be reckoning with from the Southland, but uh, they've. Uh, they've hired a new coach in Gary Goff, who is this charismatic dude. And uh, he reminds me a little bit of Choke. Like, he just kind of feels like he instills that confidence. He has that bravado to him. He w- came from Valdosta State University, where he went like some absurd, like 22 and 3. That's a, that's a D2 like that. program, and, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it got a little bit confused today because I think someone asked Coach Vegan about. Uh, junior college coaching and i was like where is that coming from because i, I was like is valdosta well, junior that's, college that's why i asked I you because i was listening to vegan and i'm pretty sure i heard him call valdosta state a junior college and i was and yes i, I think, don't think that's right i don't think though. it's right it's pretty sure it's division two which is what matthew no. travis said yeah, yeah i'm pretty sure it's division two anyway and yeah. they're in like in the gulf coast conference of something so there's, anyway. there's so many schools down over there man we're up here in, in the Northwest. <laughs> We're not used to like, there's like, you know, you, you walk 20 feet and there's another football program. So long story short, I think this new coach, Gary Goff is going to light them a fire. And like coach vegan said today, like tradition really never goes away. Once you have that tradition, once you have that uh, cachet, it only takes a little bit to reignite that fire once again. And McNeese state is, I'm thinking, I'm thinking kind of primed to get back yeah. on, on the national scene. I wouldn't be surprised if in a year or two they're ranked again and back in the mix um, with this guy because uh, Coach Gary Goff, everywhere he's gone, he has had really, really great success. And like I said, when I watch him, learning, when I watch his YouTube videos of him speaking, you just he has that it factor, just kind of like 
remember when Coach uh, Choke came along? You're like, man, there's there's something I believe about that guy. Well, he has that, and I, we know what that does for a program. And so, after talking with Travis there, it's you know, fans are excited, players are excited, they're buying in. It's it's going. So they're coming to town, and it's, it's going to be it's going to be a handful. I, I think you know, people on Bobcat Nation right now they're just we're going to kill these guys. You're multi-touchdown predictions. I I don't know. I'm 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 a little bit nervous. This happens every time that you and I do prep for a team. We convince ourselves that there's this juggernaut coming to Bozeman. We're like, how are we going to beat these guys? <laughs> Cuz you start looking at it, like every team has dudes, right? Goff yeah. and Goff like you said is seems like a a you know a rising star maybe is not the correct term because he's older, but like a guy who's could be a really good hire, like a really solid hire that could that could turn a program around that does have that tradition that doesn't need a whole lot, just maybe another you know swift kick in the pants to get things kind of realigned. And it's easier to sure. do now with the transfer portal. You can rebuild your entire roster. You can fill holes pretty quickly and pretty fast. And when you're down there and there's so many programs, like you can get a guy who's like four string at Ole Miss or something, like disrupt the road and you know, he's going to come in down and be a solid player for you. It's a little harder to recruit up here for that kind of stuff. So, I mean, he can rebuild that roster real fast and he's done that. Now, whether that translates into success or not um, remains to be seen. But one thing I did notice here and I read, I came across this in my research today. Goff is the fourth coach at McNeese state in the last five seasons. Which is kind of crazy. Oh, if he went back, it's like they have like five coaches in the last like since two thousand seven or something now, like that. What happened? Did you, I I only read the stat. I didn't I didn't investigate it. Yeah, like uh, same. Uh, if you don't know, it's figuring fine. out McNeese State history was kind of hard because their wiki page was a little bit. Uh, just not all that great. I, anyways, I'm, I'm going to withhold my frustrations talking about that. <laughs> but yeah, they've had some turnover. Yeah. Well, I mean, that could be a good thing for them this year, um, at least in terms of players and maybe staff too, because I you know maybe they can solidify a staff. One of the turnovers, of course, would be, you know, Willie Mack. Our guy, Willie Mack, recently employed by McNeese State. It will do absolutely no good mm-hmm. scouting-wise because it's a whole completely different team. But, you know, it's pretty interesting. The two, <laughs> two parallels. You got Kobe Duru, who played at Montana State in 2018 as a as a freshman. Uh, I'm not sure he ever really saw the field, but he was on the team as a freshman anyway. And then, yeah, Willie Matt Garza coming at, from the secondary coach, right, at uh, McNeese State last year or two years ago. Safeties. Safeties yeah. coach. So pretty, pretty, pretty funny. This is a small, small world sometimes. But, um, uh, so one question I had for you, Ryan, is they seem like they're in the same position we were in last year when we went to Wyoming. And, and, and that that they have a new coach, new system, no tape out there. Is that advantage, McNeese? It is. I mean, that has to be an advantage. Um, when you come in yeah. to play an opponent and you're just now naming a starting quarterback – and but likely both quarterbacks are going to get playing time. You got a whole new offensive philosophy. You got so many freshmen or transfers. Like like I said, fifty eight of the one hundred and ten guys on the roster are either freshmen or transfers. You know, freshmen aren't going to be guys that you're going to have any film on either. I know Vegan's been watching like Valdosta State film. Like they're trying to piece together what they can. Okada was talking a little bit about how it's a bit of a challenge. The guy is notorious for being extremely prepared for an opponent. He's having a little challenging time pinpointing exactly it. So it's going to be a challenge. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that is an advantage. It has to be an advantage, right? Right. The only other thing that I could think that would be a challenge for the Montana state Bobcats is they have to pre- prepare for two different types of quarterbacks with uh, Cam Ranson and Knox Kadem, one being more of a mobile quarterback, one being more of a pocket passer. So uh, the Bobcats have a, a handful to prepare for. And one thing Coach Vegan said today was, we just got to keep it simple and play as fast as possible. So I don't expect Montana State to uh, try to have some elaborate game plan for the Cowboys. 
but uh, base calls, you know, get their feet underneath them. You know, the one thing that, let's be honest, Ryan, one thing that Montana State is going to have going for them is about 20,000 raucous Bobcat fans underneath the lights. They're just going to be feeding off that energy. So <laughs> that's going to be something that is just going to fuel the Bobcats that night. Yeah. I mean, that's a tough first environment for a new head coach, a new coaching staff, <laughs> yeah. some new players. Like, I mean, in Montana State, Gold Rush, like that is the primo game typically in Montana State. It's going to be under the lights. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be exciting. I think that's going to be a little bit uh, tough to handle for the, for the Cowboys. But you know, the, they do have a few things going for them in terms of like traditional stuff. They have two first team all conference, uh, I'm sorry, one first team all conference lineman and another second team, Karen Coleman, six, six, uh, two, two, 300, 322 pounds. That's a big man. And then Calvin Bar- Barkat, uh, 6'3", 290. They're both seniors. I think they've both been with the program a while. I mean, that makes it easy for a new offensive staff, a new quarterback. If you got an experienced offensive line in front of you, and then, uh, as you know, Matthew was talking about Mason Pierce, five seven, one hundred fifty two pound. You know, that's that's a small little guy, but he's quick. He's a preseason first team All Conference at at punt returner and a and preseason second team at wide receiver. So he's a guy who can clearly make people miss in space. Uh, slight guy, but you know, he's gonna have some speed. So I, I wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, I don't want to stay on too much longer here, but the air raid offense. How do you think that matches up with the with the Montana State defense? That's a good question. The air raid offense from what we saw as Mont- or Washington State fans is a zone kind of killer. If you try to play a a zone coverage against it, that's where it really works out. I wonder what Montana State's going to combat it with. Do you think the Montana State Bobcats are going to try to play more man? I would suspect yes. Uh, rush four or five and play man, but you know, I have no idea. Willie Matt Garza, yeah. you know, we don't really know what he's going to do. Exactly. Yeah. So um, keep it simple. Play fast. I know that's what they want to do. I don't know how you do that against the air raid. So it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a good super early test for the secondary. That is short a few key players that we're expecting to be present. So that's going to be a good test for them. And it's going to be a good test for the defensive line to see if they can get some pressure. Brody Greeby is going to have... You know, his work cut out for him. He's going to have to make some splash plays and kind of get to the quarterback and disrupt whichever quarterback's back there on this air raid stuff. And then the linebackers that kind of stay home and make sure that uh, their preseason first-team all-conference running back, Deontay McMahon, 5'9", 185-pound senior, uh, doesn't squeeze through there and break loose when no one's expecting him to do so. It's going to be a challenge. I think I think that the, the Cowboys are going to present some problems with their offense, their new-look offense that there's not a lot of tape on. And, and, you know, I think the Cats are going to really have to play disciplined football. This reminds me of one of those types of matchups where 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 we could get in trouble is that we could get home to the quarterback, but then they scramble and then find um, some some success sure. uh, on the ground. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like, there's been teams where we play where, like, oh, man, we're going to crush these guys. And then they step up and then they get out of it. And all of a sudden, we're playing some sort of prevent defense or some sort of sure. – uh, max drop defense, and then the quarterback is able to get five, seven, ten yards on a scramble. That's, that's always just very frustrating to watch. I could see that. Happening. I could see that too. And you know, one thing that's almost guaranteed with the Southland team, they're going to have speed. Yeah, like almost guaranteed. Like uh, so, you know, if if you're not sure tackling and if you're not assignment sound, a guy gets in the open field, he can make you pay. So we'll, we'll see how mm-hmm. that goes uh, defensively. This is where I want to ask you. They had their calling card. Stopping the run, the Bobcats obviously probably going to try and establish the run. How do you think that? How do you think that matchup looks for the Bobcats? I don't know too much about the McNeese State uh, front uh, front defensive line, and so I'm not, I'm not I'm not really sure, and I'm not too certain on how the Montana State young sophomore line is going to look as well. Uh, I probably would say you know probably advantage the McNeese State Cowboys. But I don't know, Ryan. I, I think you say Montana State's going to try to establish a run. I think we will. But I think the 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 broader light will be shined on Tommy Malott's passing abilities. See, I think that's really where the Bobcats are going to have to kind of 
be the new look Bobcats, as we kind of talked yeah. about. We can't mm-hmm. just run the quarterback 20, 25 times, run Isaiah Fonze 20, 25 times and expect to win football games because I think our defense will take a step back this year. I think it'll be a small step. I think we'll be very good. It's going to be really hard to replicate how good they were last year. You're going to have to be a little bit more prolific on offense to take some of that burden off the defense. So, you know, it could be hard. Like if we have a hard time coming out running the ball and they're able to contain Malat in his running abilities, like that could really, really present some problems for the Bobcat offense. That could, you know, I could see, that's why I predicted something like a 27-17 game in this. Somebody asked me on Bobcat Nation, like, well, why did you predict that close of a game or that low scoring of a game? Because I just don't expect us to come out and just set the world on fire right off the bat. We have too many new faces, too many new pieces on offense and defense, honestly. So I just, I expect the Cats might struggle to score the ball more than people are expecting the Cats to, str- to struggle, honestly. And against a yeah, team that is, a, you know, probably going to be fast, probably going to be pretty athletic, as I'm just kind of generalizing Southland teams here, and that is known for stopping the run, it could be, it could be a little bit of a problem. Could be one of those games where the Cats don't score much until maybe sure. the third quarter or late in the second. I remember feeling a little bit of frustration when we went to uh, the Gold Rush last year, and it was a little bit like that. I mean, that's kind of how the UT Martin game was that I watched yeah. the highlights of. Like that was a really low scoring game, and I forgot how that first half ended with Tommy Malott scrambling, getting tackled, and fumbling it for a, a fumble six. It was crazy windy that day, though. It well. was, and that so, doesn't help. Yeah. And that was no. uh, that was Malat's first game at quarterback. But I'm just yeah. that kind of this is how it kind of progressed. Like it was a struggle, a kind of a slugfest. Like why is this team hanging around? We can't do anything. And uh, mm. I think we could f- have some similar feelings for for at least one, maybe two quarters. I'm hoping that it changes in the second half. Like Vegan talked a lot about having to make adjustments in this game because you don't you plan for one thing for McNeese State, and if they don't do that then you're going to have to make adjustments because you don't know what they're going to do. So if your plan's not working, those in-game adjustments are going to be crucial. The halftime adjustments are going to be crucial. And I think that was something that Freddie Banks was so good at at defensive coordinator last year. We'll see how we're able to do that this, uh, you know, this game and this year. Be interesting. Before we get out of here, Tony, what's the, what's one thing that you're really looking forward to seeing? I mean, the easy answer, the low hanging fruit, and this is just my answer is to Tommy Mulat with an off season yeah. uh, learning position, getting familiar with Taylor House, right? Getting familiar with the new receivers. I'm just really excited to see Tommy Mulat in a quarterback situation that we're hopefully not just scrutinizing every single podcast episode like we basically have since we started mm-hmm. this podcast. It's yeah. I'm just excited to you know see what he can do. I'm excited to see the defensive front. I want to see Sebastian Valdez and Brody Greeby. I want to see how that all works out. That's a solid choice. I'm pretty pretty interesting to see uh, Kagan Williams, too, as well, because uh, I think he's got a little bit of hype with him, kind of a low-key hype, and you know, he's going to get a lot of carries, I think, in game one if he's uh, fully healthy and ready to go. Right on, man. It's Bobcat football season. Let's go. Bobcat football season. Any uh, buyer sells or any bold predictions we want to do here as we before we get out of here? Uh, I don't think I have a buy or sell, but I'll give you a bold prediction. We will house either a punt or a kickoff. Special teams return touchdown. Yes. Ryan Foley. Okay. Any any names or just in general? Taco Dowler. Taco in particular. That's very yep. specific. Well, that, that would have to be a punt then because he's not the return specialist. So punt return. So, okay. Well, punt return. Okay. That that's that's a solid pick. Um, that's a tough one. I'm gonna I'm gonna go. That Kagan Williams runs for 150 yards. Is that bold enough? Ooh, no. I just well, that's a bold prediction. Yeah, it could be a bold prediction because I could see Montana State being having a concerted effort to get the ball and yeah to quite a few backs. Yeah. Their defense could be good so, yeah. and we could be spreading the ball around. So I'm not sure any one player will be able to do that, but uh, sure. I'll go with that. That's my, that's my answer. All right. Touchdown from Taco Dowler, 150 yards. Kagan Williams book it people. Well, don't book it. These are bold <laughs> predictions. They're like pencil it, pencil it in. Pencil it in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think I'm good, Ryan. I think we're good. Uh, 
But real quick before we get out of here, you may have noticed in the beginning of this episode that we did not mention Jeremiah Johnson or a sponsor. We do have some sponsorships available heading into the season here. It's kind of last minute, but if you're listening to this and you have a a small business or anything like that, or a big big business, or any, or you might know someone, uh, you can shoot us an email at rrcatcast at gmail.com to learn about some of the sponsorship opportunities for the upcoming season. Other than that, thanks for listening, everyone. We are super excited to get back into the the booth here, if you will, into our podcast studio, start talking some actual football here. You can find us on Twitter, rrcatcast. You can find us on the web, rrcatcast.com. I already mentioned it. Email rrcatcast at gmail.com. We want to uh, thanks, say thanks again to Matthew Travis for hopping on the show and talking some cowboy football with us. And fully, let's get our first one out of the way for the actual 2022 Bobcat season. Go Cats. Go Cats. Go Cats. Go cats.